When you pray according to the Spirit, you're aligning yourself with what he's thinking. You're aligning yourself with what he's saying. This is why it's possible to pray in the flesh and not in the Spirit. Welcome to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. I'm your host, Chris Mears, and in this episode, I will be continuing the study through 1 Corinthians. So last week, I went through chapter 1 with Jason, and this week, I'll be going through chapter 2 with my friend, Vincent Serrano. How are you, bro? Doing good, and you? doing all right all right so uh we're just going to begin with the reading of the chapter so uh first corinthians chapter two go ahead bro yes i'll be reading out the new american standard bible and the heading is paul's reliance upon the spirit and when i came to you brothers and sisters i did not come with superior with so as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom as i proclaimed to you the testimony of god for i determined to know nothing among you except jesus christ and him crucified I also was with you in your weakness and fear, and in great trembling, and, and my message and my preaching were not with persuasive words or wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but on the power of God. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the, ha- the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they have understood, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the human heart, and that God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit, For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that is in him? So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We also speak the things not not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. 14. But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. But the one who spiritually discerns all things, yet himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. I don't know if you know much of the context of first corinthians but paul writes this letter in response to some reports that he got from uh, chloe and her household and so the way that i broke it up in the intro is that obviously there's 16 chapters in in paul's first letter to the corinthians the first four chapters address conflict in the church chapter five and chapter six address corruption in the church so different types of sexual sin and them suing each other so internally in the church there's corruption and then chapters 7 through 16 he addresses confusion so as you may know there is various different uh topics that paul addresses in chapters 7 through 16 should widows marry should people stay single 
if if two people are married and they're not saved and one of them gets saved like should they divorce just different things like that and then so that's in chapter seven he addresses the spiritual gifts as you well know and then in chapter 15 he answers any and all questions about the resurrection and then obviously the closing greetings and then he calls them to act like men in the end and so because paul addresses conflict in the first four chapters he introduces the holy spirit within that particular context and so in chapter one he he introduces this idea that christ crucified the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing and weakness uh to the gentiles right foolishness to the jews weakness to the gentiles because the jews were focusing on figuring out if jesus was truly the messiah but they were expecting him to come in like in glory and so paul introduces the holy spirit because he wants to let them know that like carefully crafted speech is appropriate to reveal the power that's already there but it doesn't add any more power um to the cross that it doesn't already have so he introduces this idea uh that people are beginning to use like lofty wisdom and lofty words persuasive words to draw people to uh to to christ and so in the first couple ch- verses of chapter one, he says, I didn't come like in the way that you're used to. I didn't come that way. I didn't come in superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming the testimony of God. Um, he came weak and in trembling and in much fear, as he says in verse three. So do you have any comments or or, or thoughts or insights on the way Paul approached Uh, the Corinthians by introducing the spirit yeah well in the first verse of chapter two I just when I read it like I I just think about you know Paul like we know that he was beaten we know that he was he went through some hard things maybe had an ailment so he came kind of beat up to the people you know the people in that in that region yeah like Socrates Aristotle like all these Mm -hmm. eloquent speakers you know and you have this guy this, this beat up dude who's been through a lot right proclaiming the message of the cross, which we know is foolishness to those that don't receive it, right? It's spiritually discerned. So I just think that, you know, going with chapter one, how it's, uh, he uses the foolish things of this world, you know, to confound the wise and that the wisdom of God is foolishness, right? To, mm-hmm. to those who are perishing. So the first five verses are kind of all come together when he says that he can't, he didn't come in superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming the testimony, testimony of God. Um, think about what a testimony is. The thing that comes immediately to mind is a courtroom, right? The, the person who is called to the stand to testify does one or two things. Yeah, the first thing is that they reveal previous information that was not yet received, right? They bear, they bear witness. The second thing that they may do is that they confirm information that was already presented. And the beautiful thing uh, about Paul describing this as the testimony of God is that God did both of those things. He revealed previous information that was not yet received in the person of Jesus, right? The the miracle of the incarnation, but also he confirmed information that was already present. A lot of Jesus' ministry was already prophesied. And so God in his infinite wisdom, as we'll see, is accomplished through the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're able to to see uh, God's work 
by his testimony, by doing both of those things, right? He reveals pre previous information that was not yet received in the person of Jesus, and he confirms what's already present, what we should what we should have already expected by reading the prophets in the Old Testament. And so Paul, and because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in him, he says, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That word determined, he, he essentially is, a, is saying like, I'm not here to compete. I'm not here to debate or argue with anyone. I've come to the conclusion that everything else is useless and pales in comparison to Christ's death and resurrection. Like you notice, the first couple verses stem from what he just said in chapter one, right? The, the message of the cross. And then he kind of transitions into how we as believers are able to understand that. And that's where he kind of brings in the Holy Spirit. And so it is kind of like interesting language how he brings it up. But ultimately, it's all for the sake of what he says in verse 5. He says, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. How do we know that power of God? By means of the Holy Spirit. And then in, in verse 6, all the way through the rest of the chapter, he kind of explains how we're able to do that because of the Holy Spirit. And so, as you mentioned before, uh, the way that he came, probably beaten, probably bruised. Um, I read in a few commentaries that he was probably blind and short and bald. Yeah. So they see this man, tiny, probably weak and frail, but the power that he gives or the power that he demonstrates, as it says in verse four, yeah was not in persuasive words or wisdom, but it was in power. And that power came by the Spirit. Yeah. It's also, the power is also in the message because the power of God and the salvation is the gospel, which is Christ and Him crucified. Yeah. And I also think about like, um, I think uh, I think Jesus says, you know, the, the, the Greeks seek after knowledge and the mm -hmm. Jews signs and wonders, right? But he calls them a wicked and perverse generation. Like I believe that like everybody's like searching for this greater understanding but Paul like just tears it down when he says that I didn't come like that, right? I came with the power of God, yeah. right? Which we know that message is the gospel. Mm. And um, we, like he says in chapter one, that's foolishness to those who are perishing, right? But we know that the spirit of God, when you're born again, awakens you to that truth. So I, I just think it's amazing here that, that um, Paul is tearing down all these arguments, mm -hmm. you know, just by the simplicity of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that he does say in weakness and not in power because uh, if we think about you've gone through pretty much all of Acts yeah. so far in your in the Tuesday night Bible study, and we know that it that they just preached like that's all they did, and the the message being proclaimed uh, or coming to them in weakness was central to the theology of the mission of the early church. Yeah. Right? They didn't come by power. I think it's beautiful that the message had to be proclaimed in weakness because um, every other power at the time got it by power. Yeah. Every other authority, every other empire got their power by means of oppression. Yeah, they didn't come in human strength, right? But by yeah. the Spirit of God. I just, I love, always, I always find myself repeating this, that when they went to Antioch, right, mm -hmm. which we know was a, was a pagan region, right, they fled from there by persecution, not because they were on missions. They weren't on a mission to go there. They fled there to, to, to escape the persecution, but they took that message with them, and that is where they were first called Christians in Antioch, mm -hmm. like a pagan territory turned into a Christian, a Christian church plant. Yeah, you know, so that foolish message transforms 
regions, communities, families. We know that. So I think that's the power, right, that he received in Acts 1-8, that you receive power from above to be my witness yeah. to, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the nations. Yeah, I love that. I think um, verse 5 is pretty important because he says, so that your faith, so he, he, he explains that his preaching was not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power uh, for the purpose of their faith not resting in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And Paul obviously is honing in on his complete dependence on God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, specifically the Holy Spirit here. And my the natural question that comes into my mind is why? Why? And, and, and I think it's beautiful how Paul unpacks unpacks the answer to that question um, as he goes through the first couple chapters as he's addressing the conflict that is going on because some of them are saying like i'm of apollos or i'm of paul or i'm of cephas or i'm of jesus i think the reason why he's really drawing on complete dependence upon god is because any other human wisdom often creates blasphemous divisions yeah like they always mess it up. We always mess it up whenever we try to make it about ourselves. And I think of, uh, this is in like an, in another letter of his, but I think of Galatians 1, uh, beginning at verse 11, where he says, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I, for I uh, neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 13, he says, For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. So he, in that specific letter, he's he's right from the get-go, he's like, I didn't receive it from man. Like it wasn't, not only did I, re, did I receive it through teaching, or did I not receive it through teaching, but I received it from Jesus Christ. Like this is, this is the power that is at work through this message, that power is not our own, right? Yeah, I think it's very important to point this out because being a former um, charismaniac, um, I, I took that as that was for me, like I could have this special revelation that like, like Paul did, right? Mm -hmm. And that's dangerous, you know, so we know that when he's talking about him, he's talking about an apostle of the Lord that, that heard the inspired um, word of God and he penned it into words, right? And uh, even when we're reading this chapter, I know that when he's talking about we, he's talking about the apostles. Yeah. yeah he's not talking about, like, anybody could just take this and make it. There's nothing new. Like, yeah. we have the revelation of God, which is the Bible, mm -hmm. right? For us, we need illumination. We need to take this revelation and understand it, but that's only by the Spirit of God. That's, in, that's basically what's in this chapter. Yeah. No, I'm really glad you made that distinction because where that leads you to naturally as you're reading through this is like, especially as he gets into verse six. So, um, so is there like the question that is asked as you go through the text, you would ask like, Oh, so the, the Christian message isn't wise. Like there's nothing wise about it. Um, but when we come to Christ, um, there is wisdom, right? In verse six, he says, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. So there's a maturity aspect that we really need to like focus on as we mature, as we seek to mature as believers, or as we seek to understand the wisdom that comes from God and God alone. And so, 
he's not just telling the Corinthians like, oh, there's no wisdom at all for you to grasp or for you to attain within Christianity. He's not saying that. He's saying like, actually the us, which I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're referring to when he said we, like us as the apostles, yeah. those who are, those who are preaching with authority as the apostles of Christ. He's, he's essentially saying, yeah, there is a wisdom, but you guys haven't, you guys aren't able to receive that wisdom. And um, as he goes through chapter two and chapter and into chapter three, he gives the reason why. He's not saying, hey, you haven't completed like your intro to theology course. So therefore you can't understand the deep things of God as he says in, uh, where's the verse at? Uh, I guess in verse 10, where he says, uh, for to us, God revealed them through the spirit for the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So the deep things of God, he's not hiding them from the Corinthians because they, you know, they haven't taken, you know, their entry course to theology. And it's like how it's the spirit that searches the deep things of God. Yeah. Right. And the spirit um, was revealing it to the apostles and the apostles gave the inspiration. And now we have the revelation right now. It just needs to be illuminated to us by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and so uh, a lack of intellect wasn't the problem. Yeah. And he actually reveals that problem in, in the next chapter, in chapter 3. And that problem is that is that they were still being jealous. There was still jealousy and strife among them. And so it's, it, it, that in and of itself is pretty humbling because just imagine, just think about that for a moment, that you are being withheld from the deeper things of God because you're still being jealous and you're still being, you're still causing divisions within the body. That's, that's like, that's pretty humbling to, to think about because like we want to know God on a deeper level. And obviously, like you just mentioned, only the spirit can do that. And it reminds me of, of, uh, something that I, as I was teaching this to the youth, it reminded me of an example that I gave them. And that as example was, that if I'm talking to my wife and I'm and I'm kind of uh, suspicious of her doing something, right? And I'm like, hey, are you sure? Like, are you sure you didn't, like, are you sure you folded laundry or whatever it may be? Are you sure you did this? And she's like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, all right. There is only a certain amount of trust that I can place in her response, right? There's only a certain amount of, of trust that I can base my, me moving, me moving forward. It is only in her own mind, only she knows if she's truly telling the truth or not, right? You kind of get what I'm getting at? And so the only way to truly know God is through his spirit. If we read something in the scriptures or we're praying and we're like, God, I don't know if, are you sure? Like, are you really sure that I should do this? If you're being led to, you know, do something and you're like, God, are you sure? And somehow you get this confirmation from God and he's like, I'm positive. Like, of course, this it's revealed in my word. You are only able to move forward and say, well, of course, of course, you you're wanting me to do this. Of course, you're wanting me. You're wanting me to be faithful in this way. Why? Because you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're only able to know God and his plan and his will and his heart and his character by means of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. So I, I just think about chapter one where it says that it's foolishness to those who are perishing. And we know that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses, that nobody seeks after God, nobody wants God. 
So it's the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that awakens us or, you know, yeah, revives us to hear this message, right? Mm-hmm. For That when we read these words, they're not just dead words. They're actually the inspiration or God-breathed, right, according to 2 Timothy 3.16, mm-hmm. that is God-breathed and it's profitable, right? And it equips us for every good work. And um, I think it's a beautiful thing that we can proclaim this simple message and God's elect will hear yeah. and respond. Yeah. And um, it's by the Spirit of God. Yeah, I remember seeing like this video of, um, it was like pretty foggy out on this like farmland and this this farmer, or I'm assuming like he ended up being a shepherd because of what happens next in the video, but he's like standing at his fence and he's just looking out into a empty like green pasture and it's pretty foggy so you can't see that far and he starts like calling like he starts just making noises and then all of a sudden you see all of these sheep like from all like it obviously like i said it's foggy but they start coming from like every direction to the shepherd and i think it that that illustration just paints a perfect picture of how when god speaks his sheep will hear and his sheep uh, will follow. So that's cool, man. Like it also brings to mind in Romans 8, 27, it says the spirit searches the human heart, but here the spirit searches the depths of God. And so what the Holy Spirit does is it bridges this, this separation between the deep themes of God and the human heart. And so God uses his own spirit to make that connection for us so that when we do read his word when we do spend time with his people we get to know him better like that's how we get to know him better is by his spirit and he uses that empowering of the holy spirit within each individual member of the body to nourish us to to kind of give us life when we need it to edify us which is why he spends a lot of time um explaining the individual gifts of the holy spirit in the later chapters yeah, so I was just thinking right now as we were talking, you know, the first part of this chapter, you know, how he didn't come with, you know, superior speech or persuasive words, but the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God, right? So I was thinking about, we go, we we're talking about the sheep will hear his voice and they will follow. I think Paul's going with that mindset that I'm going to come, you know, these guys are seeking after knowledge or seeking after man, obviously, because he had to address those things where they were like, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Paul, like, this man-made wisdom, right? This, and even says out the rulers of this age, like he's tearing all that down. Mm-hmm. But I think he goes with this confidence of Christ and him crucified, this simple message, because he knows it's for the sheep anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. The sheep, like I can go and preach to a crowd, but you know what? I know this is for God's elect. This is for his sheep. And they're going to hear it no matter what. That's why I like when Paul Washer said, you preach the gospel long enough and, and somewhere someone's going to get saved mm-hmm. because God's sheep are inclined to that message. And you could take confidence in the message and not your eloquence, not your pedigree, like in cha- chapter one, um, you know, your nobility or whatever, or, or even your, your degree, right? Mm-hmm. You just come with that message of the gospel, and we know that God's sheep are gonna, is going to hear it, and they're going to respond. Yeah. Like, that just, I just think how Paul's so bold, like, in, you know, being an apostle and planting churches, like, and he just went with that boldness because he knows that God's sheep are going to hear and they're going to follow. He, he wasn't, cons- I don't think he concerned himself with so much as the goats. You know what I mean? Not, just, not to say he didn't love them, right? Because I, mean, I know that he talked about in Acts where, I mean, he said, if I could even just trade my salvation for you guys to, to know. Mm-hmm. The point is, is that 
he must have loved because he knew that he, even when he went straight to the to the synagogues where he knew that those people could possibly kill him, you know, he went there because of the love. Anyway. No, it brings a good point that that because the message of the cross is for those who are being strengthened by it, right? Like you mentioned before, and as we kind of alluded to from chapter one, is that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So whoever thinks that it's a foolish message, we automatically know that they're probably gonna, not going to make yeah. it, right? Because it's it, Paul describes them as those who are perishing. Yeah. And for those who may kind of offer pushback, we have to do something with verse 14, okay. where Paul writes, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or spiritually discerned. Yeah. They cannot understand it unless the Holy Spirit allows them to understand it. And that's not wrong. Like, that's not God putting your faith or your mind in a, like in an arm bar. It's grace. Yeah. It's, the, it's the fact that he decides to impart the Holy Spirit to you so that you may understand what's being preached. Because this message is foolishness to everyone else around you. But to you... To you who, who is responding, to the listener who is responding to the message of the gospel, whether it's at church, a conference, or whatever, a Bible study. Outreach. Yeah, or outreach. God is speaking to you, and he's using, your, he's using his spirit to make those things known to you, those things that were once in the dark, yeah. in the darkness. Yeah, that, that should really fire us up as believers. Like, I just even think about the... The statement of the Great Commission, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven above and here. Therefore, go. And I just love how he says, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. Like, we have this message of Christ and him crucified and the assurance that he goes with us and all authority has been given to him. Like, do we understand that? I think if we understood that, I think we'd be more bold to share this simple message of the gospel. Yeah. Right? And also in confidence that his sheep will hear his voice. We don't know who they are. I like the way Spurgeon said if there was a, a mark on everybody's coattail that showed if they were God's elect, then I would go around flipping coattails. But since I don't know, I'm going to preach to everybody. Um, because you mentioned authority, right? Um, I found this clip that I kind of want to get your your uh, your feedback on because uh, I'm pretty sure this is Priscilla Shire, who's Dr. Tony Evans's daughter. And she's like a preacher, so she has like numerous speaking engagements and so on and so forth. So um, she, in a talk she did, um, in in the clip that I found, she mentions how when the spirit indwells us, we have a certain authority, and I just kind of want to get your your two cents on it. So I'll just play it right here. Which means, if you're a believer and the Holy Spirit lives in you, that means all of the grandeur and all of the greatness, all of the authority of God Himself now lives on the inside of you. So if you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. So she mentions like. Like, because you have the Holy Spirit, you have all of, like, God's grandeur, all of his, uh, I don't know, I don't think she said glory, but all of his authority 
inside of you. And I just kind of wanted to get your two cents on that because do we have God's no. authority? Because, because the, the authority spirit, is outside of us. Yeah. Right? It's not in us. The spirit of God bears witness to the authority outside of us, which is his revelation of the word of God. Mm -hmm. So we could proclaim that authority, they'll say it the Lord, and that's where the power is at. I don't believe the power is within us to have some um, authoritative thing over humanity. I believe that the message proclaimed is the authority, right? But we go in the confidence that God sent us. But I, I don't know. I think that can get a little hairy with what she's saying, yeah. me personally. Yeah, it, it is. It it can be a little problematic. Um, I know that at the, I'm pretty sure it's at the end of chapter three, Paul goes on to say like, all things are God's. Uh, let me pull it up right here. Uh -huh. and I always want to think about like positions too. The apostles laid, they were part of laying the foundation of the church. Mm -hmm. So they had a position in the church, right? And what I just think that the mistake I used to make was putting myself in that position by reading the word of God as um, prescriptive for me, yeah. right? But we know it was describing what the apostles were doing. And they were, we know that they were part of the building of the foundation of the church and you know, in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> therefore, we go. Therefore, we go in his power and his authority, mm -hmm. um, but not as authority, right? Just because the Holy Spirit's in us, that doesn't mean that we have that type of authority as um, as you know, as God yeah. or the Word of God. The passage that I that I thought of was uh, the last couple of verses of chapter three of First Corinthians, where he says, "So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God." So even at that point, obviously we have we would have to read it in context, but. Even at that point, people would be like, well, yeah, you know, all things are mine. So I can declare these things to be mine. I can declare victory in this, in this specific aspect of my life that I've been struggling with. And they, I think we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but it's for a specific purpose. It is to uh, bring forth the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of edifying the body. I don't think it's for us to declare or to claim authority over things in the spiritual realm. Yeah. And I think what we I think what we should look at regarding that is Ephesians 6, right? And all of those things have nothing to do with our declarative ability, right? We think about the helmet, we think about the breastplate of righteousness, all of those things come from outside of us. Exactly. External. Like it's not it's not internal because of the Holy Spirit. It's external because of what God has we allowed. We can grasp it because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we can yeah. understand because of the Holy Spirit. We can put those gospel pieces on because of us being illuminated to the revelation of of God. Yeah, through the scriptures revealed to the apostles, written by the apostles for us. And I think it's it's pretty telling when we introduce this this aspect of the spiritual realm because in verse twelve. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So it's not just, they're not just ideas. They're not just concepts. They're not just things in the air. They're actually, it's a spirit of the world. It's a certain authority and certain power that is, that is in these people that is provoking them to want to be persuasive. 
It's it's something spiritual that's going on. And so Paul is essentially saying, yeah, the, these things we're able to understand, not because we reach them in in gaining a certain knowledge, a certain secret or inner knowledge. We gained it because we have the spirit of God. And so the deep things of God is not necessarily some philosophical idea that is withheld from common believers um, and that are only available to the initiated few, which is what a lot of people, um, what we would consider Gnosticism, that you have this secret knowledge because of something that you did. See, that's the problem with people reading this and taking what the apostle, what Paul is saying about him and the apostles, they take it and make it, make it for themselves, right? Yeah. Um, you get this Gnostic stuff, like God showed me, God told me, yeah. and everything. Um, I think even Mormons believe that everything is by a witness of the Spirit inside of them, right? They say that, but we have an authoritative message, which is is the Bible. It's the revealed um, will of God, right? But when, the slippery slope with reading this 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 chapter wrong is that we're gonna go around and and um, thinking that we're getting something special revealed to us right now it's being when it's by the spirit it's illuminated to us because we have the revealed word of god already Mm -hmm. reading this this kind of studying this chapter again and going through it with you god has really made it evident that salvation and the fact that people respond in a positive way to the gospel message is how much of a miracle it is especially as we look at verses 14 15 and 16 that like i just like i said earlier the things of the spirit of god they, they are foolishness to those who are natural those who are unspiritual um and that those things of the spirit of god can only be discerned by those who are indwelt by the spirit indwelt by the person of the holy spirit and then he goes on to say in verses 15 and 16 i'll just read them here because um i think we're about ready to wrap up but in verse 15 he says but he who is spiritual discerns or appraises all things yet he himself is appraised by no one for who has known the mind of the lord that he will instruct him speaking about god but we have the mind of christ so anyone who is indwelled by the holy spirit verse 15 tells us that he can discern all things obviously it takes time but as we mature in christ we are able to discern not just right from wrong but right from almost right things that will hurt us or harm other people or cause others to stumble. We're able to discern what's going on in the world, what truly is going on in the world, what's going on in our hearts, what may be going on in other people's hearts because of the spirit. We're able to discern those types of things because we have the mind of Christ. And even that, even, even what verse 16 says, as we, as we reflect on what Jesus said the things he did during his ministry why wouldn't we want his his same mind or his same thought process i want to respond in love i want to respond in gentle rebuke i want to respond in harsh rebuke referring to self-righteous pharisees i want that why wouldn't you and i think the only way that you can adequately desire that is if the holy spirit is dwelling inside you that's what i was gonna say so after reading this chapter i, I like to think about like what would be my takeaway, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of um, wows me is the fact that God 
chose me and he took this heart of stone and turned it to a heart of flesh that I would even be able to hear this message and receive it. Yeah. So my response is like, why wouldn't I want to know more? Right? Like you just said, I should have a hunger and thirst for his word. And I think that's a marker, a mark of a sheep. A sheep is going to desire. So like if you're maybe wondering, you know, like um, if you're one of God's sheep, a good, a good, I think a good marker would be or mark, I don't know if I'm saying it right, mm -hmm. will be a desire for his word. And if you don't have that, you could you could definitely pray and ask for God to put that desire in you. It's so important because God has obviously opened your your eyes and your ears to, to see and to hear what he's saying to his sheep, what the Spirit is saying. And um, what a great place to be, you know, that I could read this word and it could be alive and active in my life. You know, it could... It could be a lamp unto my feet. It could, it could discern my heart and my motives. What a what an honor, right? What a gracious gift that He given us to hear and to see yeah. what He has to say. So yeah, I think when I, after I read this chapter, I'm like, man, I should read His Word more mm -hmm. because God opened my eyes to see what He's saying and hear what He's saying. Yeah, glad I'm glad you brought that up because um, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. Uh, maybe you'll know the scripture reference, but I'm pretty sure it's in Jesus's prayer to the Father in John 17, but I don't want to spend too much time looking for it. But he says, sanctify them in your truth, right? Sanctify, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Yeah. So in order to be made more like Jesus, like you said, you have to, you have to dig into his word. In order to find out how to be further conformed into the image of his son, we have to know him. And in order to, you, you're not going to desire to become more like him if you don't know him, right? I'm not going to desire to love somebody who, who I don't know. The more I know somebody, the more I fall into deeper affections towards him or towards them, yeah. right? That's what I'm saying. Like, like, whoa, God revealed his word. Like, some people could read this and they could just be words, but it's, it's life. It talks about um, it's honey. It's more precious than gold, mm -hmm. talks about in one of the Psalms. Do we realize that God was gracious enough for us to be able to to see? You know what I mean? Like if we, and because of that, we should desire it, right? We should want it. Mm -hmm. And just same with the message, like how Paul had that confidence to declare that message of the gospel because he knows that his sheep will hear the sheep of the, will hear his voice, right? Like it's just such a um, comforting thing, and I believe that should produce boldness. It should pr produce a desire and um, bear good fruit. Yeah. And as we as we pursue his word, as we seek, as we read um, the scholarship of commentators, of theologians, um, or even as we seek to sit under, you know, wonderful preaching, we know because of this passage right here and because of what Paul says in chapter one, we shouldn't be uh, manipulated by certain arguments or certain styles of preaching like that we shouldn't desire god more because of someone's style of preaching we should desire god more because of who he is yeah. and because of of what he has allowed to happen in our hearts for us to even know him for us to for us to even respond in a positive way for us to even desire him as you said paul he he makes it a point to remind them like hey i didn't persuade you i didn't try to I didn't try to manipulate you or own, you know, 
the the certain persuasive speakers in the area at the time i didn't own them with superior arguments right he says he says that because god rescued them from their sin like he's the one that did the work and he placed his spirit in their hearts and now is continuously working through them to bring about his will and for god to even have I guess the audacity to make sinners his sons and daughters should be a a truth that we're consistently meditating on and a truth that should bring us to our knees like constantly. And the last thing I I have to share is um, what, what Jesus says in John 15 where uh, in verse 26, where he says, when the helper comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. So I think it's beautiful how Jesus, exp- um, how Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper, as the one who who comes alongside us, who dwells in us to to testify of his truth and and to strengthen us and to give us life and life abundantly when we feel like we don't have it when we when we fall and when we tend to cling to things that this world does clinging to the latest uh thought leader or the most relevant and most and the most uh i guess popular preacher at the time we're able to cling to Jesus because of the of the helper that he that he had to die in order to send. He like he says like someone greater than me is coming after me. Yeah, it's better that I go that he may come. Yeah, it's better that I go that he may come. I'm not saying that he's greater, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, he's essentially saying like this is better for you. Like yeah. this has to happen in order for you to even have the the boldness to proclaim the truth or to follow my commands like this has to happen yeah because the holy spirit he guides you into all truth he comforts you right and um he convicts you right and i just think it's a beautiful thing like um jesus walked with his disciples but now we actually have the spirit of god living inside of us and take yeah. confidence and, and that's why i believe that um as you read this this uh this chapter i think it kind of um, and you said it, he brings it up in the next chapter. I'm a Paul, so I'm a Paul. Like it kind of takes the man, the eye off of man, right? And they just become, they play their position, right? Which they're preaching or teaching or leading or whatever, um, overseers. But because we know man fail, right? And I think a lot of times we look to man as a, as the end all, right? But we're supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and let the pastors, preachers play their role. Right. But they can't fail us. But that's why it's good that we have the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I know I've been let out of false churches and false movements because of the spirit of God. Right. Because I heard his voice and I followed and if I followed out of that deception. Mm-hmm. Right. And some people don't. But then there is some people that are are lost. The lost sheep, like you talk about, that are that are um, misled. And um, but that's why we got to keep standing for truth. Yeah. Proclaiming truth. Amen. Appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation on a very important topic and very important person, the person of the Holy Spirit.
So thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to know more about the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you listen on Spotify, make sure you follow, click the bell icon to get notifications of new episodes. And if you truly enjoy this content and want to and want to go the extra mile to support us, become a subscriber for only $49.9 month and you will get exclusive access to subscriber only episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the show if you haven't already. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. My name is Vince Serrano. Grace and peace, family.